All right, here we go. This is the mop-up for August 19th, 2023. I'm David Feldman. The FBI has now launched an investigation into who doxed the personal information, the names, photos, and addresses of the Fulton County Grand Jury that handed down yet another criminal indictment of Donald Trump Monday night. Some members of the grand jury have begun to receive death threats and are going into hiding. Fascism never rests. Donald Trump has canceled that big press conference planned for Monday to expose the real voter fraud in Georgia that every single official, every single election official, judge and Republican politician in Georgia completely missed. Trump actually admitted that he canceled Monday's press conference on advice of counsel. He said he was still preparing his 100-page report on election fraud in Georgia and that his lawyers assured him they will use that report as evidence during his criminal trial. Yeah, sure they will. Trump has done zero preparation for next week's big debate scheduled for Fox News against all the other Republican candidates, so it looks like he's not showing up. Looks like he will not show up, probably on advice of counsel. Whatever he says will be used against him in a court of law. So he won't be there for the big debate. Instead, he will appear with Tucker Carlson on Tucker's new show on X, formerly known as the artist Prince or Twitter or whatever Elon is calling it these days. According to the latest reporting, Trump will be arraigned in Georgia. He will show up for his arraignment. I thought they were going to have to issue a bench warrant in Fulton County, but he will show up. This is interesting. Late Friday night, lawyers reportedly think Trump uh, will show up. They negotiated with the Fulton County District Attorney, and Trump will at least, as of this morning, turn himself in later next week. And here's what to watch for. Keep an eye out for this. The lawyers negotiate the terms of the arrest. He is the president. He was the president of the United States. He has a Secret Service detail. They're not going to hold him in the Fulton County Jail. They should, but they won't. So they negotiate with the Fulton County DA. Here's what to keep an eye out for. Does Trump get a mugshot? Hear me out. If Trump doesn't get a mugshot, that means the mugshot was negotiated away because we all heard the sheriff say no niceties here. You know, this is going to be different from Washington, D.C. and Manhattan. We don't we don't play favorites. You get arraigned, you get arrested you get a mugshot, okay? So if Trump doesn't get a mugshot, it means Trump negotiated the mugshot out of the terms of his surrender, which means the worm has turned. Trump is afraid. He is afraid. Remember how he called his arrests a badge of honor? Well, if he doesn't get a mugshot, it means he's terrified. It means he knows the mugshot will make him look weak. To some, not all, but to some of the imbeciles who are still planning to vote for him. 
some of those imbeciles will see a mugshot and smell weakness and stay home on election day. They think he's, you know, they, they still think he's the guy from The Apprentice, right? But they see a mugshot, they see weakness, then they smell blood and they and they begin to hate him for his weakness. So he's too smart. He he's going to crawl in there under the cloak of darkness, get fingerprinted, go before the judge and nobody's going to see him the same way nobody saw him go into Washington DC's courtroom or the Miami courtroom. He does not want his idiot followers to see him prone and supine. So keep an eye on whether or not he gets a mugshot. No mugshot means Trump is terrified as well he should be. More bad news for Trump. There's a second defamation suit that columnist E. Jean Carroll filed against him. Remember that he raped her. She got five million dollars. And now She's going back for more, and it's on the books. It's on the docket. It's on the calendar. She won the first one, $5 million. He's got to pay it, and she's going back for more. On Friday, Judge Lewis Kaplan turned down Donald Trump's request to delay that second trial. Now, if you remember, Judge Kaplan has put into writing twice that the first jury didn't find Donald Trump guilty of sexual assault. They found him guilty of rape. Twice, Judge Kaplan, who presided over that defamation suit, twice he has said Donald Trump was found guilty of rape. Judge Kaplan on Friday added insult to injury when he told Trump he wants the second defamation trial to take place sooner than later due to Mr. Trump's advanced age. I've heard some bad things about Judge Kaplan as well, but uh, so far, uh, let's keep him in the win column temporarily. And by the way, have you seen Trump lately? He, he is not looking good. Here is my favorite story of the week. This is my favorite story of the week. Now, <clears throat> remember Donald Trump's criminal indictment in Washington, D.C.'s federal courtroom for election interference? No, 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 not that one. No, no, the other one. No, 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 not the one in Miami, the one in Washington, D.C. No, 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 that, yeah, that one. Uh, the one, <laughs> the one on August 1st. That was uh, special counsel Jack Smith's indictment. And uh, that, I think that's the third criminal indictment, right? The one that started at the beginning of August. Not to be confused with the criminal indictment from Monday. That's in Georgia. Well, on August 25th, tr this is my favorite story. This makes me really happy. This is a great way to end the week. On August 25th, Trump's lawyers have to go before Judge Tanya Chutkin to start the process. They want to pick a date for the trial to start. And special counsel Jack Smith has said he wants to start it on January 2nd, 2nd 2024. 
But Trump's lawyers now say they need more time. They say it will take years to mount a defense because, wait for it, there's simply too much evidence. They literally said there's way too much evidence. We, we need more time to pour through it. This is now the discovery phase of the trial where the prosecutor must turn over all the evidence. And Trump's attorneys got the first batch of evidence and they <laughs> they complained that there are 11.6 million pages of evidence so far in just this batch. More to come. They said to Judge Chutkin, it would take hundreds of lawyers years to pour over all the evidence. In other words, your honor, our client is so guilty. It's not fair. It, there's just so much incriminating evidence against him. We need years to go through it before we can mount a defense. Uh, or, you know, he could just plead guilty. Now, who nobody's going to get paid to pour through all those documents. Trump doesn't pay his legal bills. This is this is going to be fun. This is this is I'm happy. I'm not usually happy. This makes me very happy. I like to see bullies, fascists, mobsters suffer. And, and Donald Trump is suffering. And that makes me happy. Rest up over the weekend because next week's Republican debate is going to be a bloodbath. I promise you it's going to be a bloodbath. Trump won't be there, which means Chris Christie is going to call out each and every candidate on the stage for being too chicken shit to take on Donald Trump. This is going to be a bloodbath. DeSantis, I just hope DeSantis can last till Iowa. You know, if he, he drops out now, you know, you know, I look at this as boxing. I, I want him to take a lot of hits to the head so he can't think straight anymore. If he bows out now, there won't be enough damage done to him. There was this big leak of his uh, playbook for the debate. And in the playbook, they, they talk about the show emotion, accuse uh, Chris Christie of auditioning for MSNBC and then go after Vivek Ramaswamy because of his religion. He's not a Christian. So the fascist racist Ron DeSantis, his handlers in the playbook are saying, go after Vivek Ramaswamy. He's coming up in the polls. Attack him for being a non-Christian. And they came up with ways to do it without saying you're a non-Christian. And they gave him a nickname, fake Vivek, fake Vivek. So, it's you know, DeSantis has all the talking points. Anyway, Chris Christie is going to decimate Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis cannot think on his feet. Chris Christie is a monster. He's very quick. You know, he's a Jersey boy. And he's, he, he, I'm going to play you a clip, but so he's going to go through each candidate and demand to know why 
you don't think Trump is guilty. And, and why are you still defending him? And if you're defending him, why are you running against him? Vivek Ramaswamy called the recent indictments in Georgia, quote, politicized persecutions through prosecution, politicized persecutions through prosecution. That, that has uh, more P's than Chris Christie's shorts. No. OK. And 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 then he I'm sorry about that. That was that I thought it was 2016 and we can't do those jokes anymore. So uh, and. Vivek Ramaswamy has promised that when he gets elected president, he will pardon Trump. Christie is going to devour him for that. Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott, called the latest indictment, quote, un-American. And then Tim Scott said the courts were, quote, being weaponized against political opponents. And Chris Christie is just going to eat his lunch. He's just... It's just he's going to say, prove that it's un-American, prove how this has been weaponizing our our courts. Uh, Ron DeSantis, who's uh, a coward, said of Trump's indictment, quote, I think it's an example of the criminalization of politics. Chris Christie is going to destroy him. Is just going to destroy him. So I'm going to give you a preview of what the Fox News debate is going to look like. Francis Suarez is the mayor of Miami and he's running for president. Somehow he got 40,000 individual donors and he's showing enough, you know, one percent in the polls. He's going to be on that debate stage defending Trump. Right. Why are you running if you're defending Trump. Well, Chris Christie has been saying, if you're going to defend Donald Trump, stay home. You don't belong in the presidential race. Here is Chris Christie. Here's a a taste of what to come, what's to come. If he thinks he's gonna get on the stage to defend Donald Trump on Wednesday night, then he should do Donald Trump a favor and do our party a favor. Come back to Tallahassee, endorse Donald Trump and get the hell out of the race. Okay, Jersey proud. It's pretty good. That's just a a sample of uh, what's on the menu for next week's debate. By the way, Chris Christie thinks the Georgia indictments are redundant and unnecessary. I don't know why he would say that. Oh, yeah, I forgot. He's an a-hole. And if you're a longtime listener to this show, then you know the only reason Suarez, the mayor of Miami, is running for president is because he's facing a criminal investigation looking into sweetheart deals he made with developers while he was the mayor of Miami. So he may end up going to prison when you're about to be indicted, run for president and accuse the district attorney of politicizing the courts. I wonder where he learned that from, right? Hurricane Hillary has now turned into a Category 4 storm and is expected to hit Southern California and the Southwest and Mexico. It's already hit Mexico, but it's going to hit America over the weekend. She is expected to dump a year's worth of rainfall in just under three days. Right now, Hillary is off the coast of Mexico, heading north with winds as high as 130 miles per hour. 
She's expected to hit California a bit weaker. She's a Category 4 now. Uh, Hopefully, she'll be downgraded. Nobody knows. This is the first tropical storm warning ever issued for Southern California. That's climate catastrophe caused by the burning of fossil fuels. Parts of Southern California and Mexico are preparing for flash flooding with serious threats to infrastructure, including roads, bridges, and dams. And all of the subsequent repairs should be paid for by ExxonMobil, which caused all this. California Governor Gavin Newsom warned that this hurricane will bring rainfall to parts of the state never before seen. Now, this is unfortunate because California was having a good year when it came to water. It had record snowfall during the winter, and officials at first were expecting major flooding as the snow began to melt. But thanks to a gentler spring and careful maintenance of the aqueducts, the snow melt was absorbed at a slower pace. The ground could handle it, and there was little to no flooding. This was good news. California, as most of you know, has been going through one of the worst droughts I think like in a thousand years. And but this year, its reservoirs began to refill. And now uh, when it rains, it pours. Uh, Let's hope Hillary brings to Mexico and California just enough rain, but not too much. And let's hope somehow the winds die down. And most importantly, let's get off fossil fuel. These weather occurrences will only be more frequent and become more intense until we put ExxonMobil, Chevron, Shell, and British Petroleum out of business. I can't stress this enough, and this is the absolute truth if you're paying attention. You can have ExxonMobil exist as a corporation, or we can have a planet that's inhabitable. Can't have both. You got to choose. You got to choose between ExxonMobil being a profitable company instead of going out of business, or you can have a planet that's inhabitable. Can't have both. Grow up. Grow up. It's the issue. It is the. It is the issue. Get rid of these fossil fuel companies. They have to go out of business. Keep it in the ground. Bury ExxonMobil. You do realize that oil, gasoline is dead dinosaurs, right? Like we're we're breathing the souls of dead dinosaurs as we become them. Herman Andaya, who ran Maui's emergency management agency, quit Thursday citing his own health concerns. Andaya has come under heavy criticism for his emergency management agency's decision not to sound the emergency sirens and alert Maui residents to evacuate as last week's fire grew increasingly out of control. All I can say is be judicious in picking your scapegoats. I believe in scapegoats. I believe in accountability. I believe in locking people up. I just don't believe the scapegoats, the people in charge put in front of us, 
are the actual scapegoats who screwed up. I think I don't I don't trust that Herman Andaya is the bad guy in this. And I don't know much, but I know the only reason Herman Andaya is taking the rap is because the guy above him said someone has to be blamed for this and it isn't going to be me. Michael Brown was the head of FEMA back in 2005 when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. Nearly 2,000 residents, maybe 3,000, they're not really sure, mostly low-income and poor, were left to drown. It was as bad as 9-11, but you couldn't blame the Muslims for it, so we kind of lost the story. Uh, you couldn't blame Muslims for Hurricane Katrina. You really had to blame ExxonMobil for heating up the Gulf and intensifying the severity of hurricanes. But at the time Katrina hit, we were off in Iraq fighting a war on behalf of ExxonMobil. So there was no way we were going to blame the oil companies. But we needed a scapegoat for Katrina. And so the scapegoat for Hurricane Katrina was Michael Brown, the head of FEMA at the time. You, re you might remember him as heck of a job there, Brownie. Some of you, it was 20, almost 20 years ago, so some of you might not even have been born. But, uh, you know, Bush finally showed up and gave uh, Michael Brown the kiss of death. You know, heck of a job there, Brownie. And uh, everyone knew FEMA had failed the people of New Orleans when he said that. And by failed the people of New Orleans, you know, mistakes were made. You know, that's a euphemism for Thousands of people are dead because we're white, privileged, lazy, and incompetent. Uh, by the way, most of the residents uh, in New Orleans who died were African-American. But here's the truth. Michael Brown is a conservative prick. He's attacking Joe Biden now. He's, he's a bad guy. But I will defend him because it wasn't really Michael Brown's fault that George W. Bush shit the bed with Katrina. And it wasn't FEMA's fault. Uh, two years earlier, before Katrina in 2005, in 2003, after 9-11, uh, FEMA was folded into Bush's newly formed Department of Homeland Security, uh, the, the homeland. They started calling America the homeland, which uh, always made me feel very comfortable. I think the uh, motto for the Department of Homeland Security is eine Vulcan, eine Staaten, eine Führer. Homeland? I mean, I know George W. Bush's grandfather, Prescott Bush, did business with Hitler and went into World War II reluctantly. But to start calling America the homeland? Anyway, we have this uh, Department of Homeland Security. George W. Bush ran for president, promising to make government smaller. And he created the Department of Homeland Security, which is a monstrosity. It includes ICE, which should we need to get rid of. And 
includes FEMA, which is actually a pretty great agency. They folded it into the Department of Homeland Security and FEMA. When Katrina hit, became the scapegoat and Michael Brown went down. But tapes emerged a year later showing that Michael Brown was briefing George W. Bush and the head of Homeland Security, Michael Chertoff, about Hurricane Katrina days before landfall. There are tapes. You can watch them on YouTube. The tapes clearly show. They're videotapes, audio tapes. They, uh, uh, Michael Brown was the head of FEMA. He was in New Orleans on the ground prepping for landfall. And George W. Bush was, you know, in Camp David or somewhere. And uh, so it was a remote video call. And the tapes clearly show Michael Brown, the scapegoat, warning his superiors, George W. Bush and Michael Chertoff, who was the head of Homeland Security, that the levees would not hold. He said this is coming in at Category 5. They thought it was going to be Category 5. I think it ended up being Category 4. But you can hear Michael Brown. Uh, I hate Michael Brown. I, I, he's a Republican, but and he and he's says things about Biden. You know, I, I, I couldn't care less about this guy's reputation. But if you listen to him on the tape, you think, all right, this guy, as far as Republicans go, he's pretty, pretty competent. You hear him saying the levees won't hold. You hear him saying we've got prisoners in jails who have to be evacuated. We have babies in hospitals that have to be evacuated. We have sick people in hospitals who need uh, need to be evacuated. Then he specifically warned that the Superdome was not equipped, nor was it structurally sound enough to house New Orleans residents during a Category 5 hurricane. Pretty sure it became a Category 4. Uh, you might want to uh, familiarize yourself with what, what took place inside the Superdome for five days, what we did, what this country did to uh, thousands of primarily African-Americans who were stranded in New Orleans. It was criminal. It, it, it was the U.N., if, we, if a rapporteur examined it and we were members of the International Criminal Court, Bush would be marched before The Hague just for how he responded to Katrina. There's just no way that would have happened if it were white people who needed help. That's just a fact. And if you don't agree with me, you're an ignoramus and a racist. And I don't want you watching my show. Seriously. I, I don't I don't care. I'm too old. If you don't know that what happened in the Superdome was a travesty, a racist travesty, uh, go watch Joe Rogan. I, I, seriously. Um, but Michael Brown is heard on tape saying this is going to end badly if we don't marshal all our forces right now and get people to come down to New Orleans and start rescuing people before landfall. But George Bush played the guitar. I think he went to California and played the guitar. And Michael Chertoff, the head of Homeland Security, 
did absolutely nothing. They didn't listen to him. The reason they didn't do anything, they, maybe they wanted to, but they couldn't. They couldn't do anything because George W. Bush, war criminal, had bankrupted America. By 2005, he had bankrupted America. Louisiana's National Guard was nowhere to be seen because they were off in Iraq fighting an illegal war, which meant there was nobody back home in America to prepare for a hurricane. You know, the National Guard, a couple of weekends each month, save your neighbors. Uh, no, we don't want to bring back the draft. So you're going to Iraq. That is what we did. We fought the war on the, the cheap. Uh, the war criminal, George W. Bush, lied his way into Iraq in 2003, as did Liz Cheney's father, who should be is a criminal. You know, just because you're not arrested, it doesn't mean you're not a criminal. Dick Cheney is a criminal, and I want that heart back. Give that heart to somebody who deserves it. The war criminal George W. Bush lied his way into Iraq in 2003. And he paid for it. And I wish I were making this up or he claimed he was going to pay for it by lowering taxes for America's wealthiest citizens. That's what he did. But he didn't pay for it. Like Trump, he added trillions to our national debt. You know, fiscal responsibility, Republicans. And instead of making this foolish global war on terror, which only created more terrorists when you accidentally kill somebody's baby, you create terrorists. Uh, the crimes at Gitmo, where Governor Ron DeSantis was stationed, telling everybody that force feeding these prisoners is is perfectly legal and safe. It's not. It's considered torture. There was a problem at Gitmo where they had innocent people and they still do. And they said, you know, we they're innocent. They didn't do anything, but we've tortured them. So if we release them back into the wild, they're going to come back for us. We had a, we we literally they literally said, the CIA, which ran Gitmo, literally said, we can't release these people. We've turned them into terrorists. Uh, and yet I still love this country. Uh, unbelievable. If only people would pay attention and vote. And if only we had a criminal justice system that went after fragile white, privileged men. If only we started punishing, you know, corporate criminals. <sighs> anyway, George W. B Why is Jenna Bush on the Today? Okay. If your father killed a million people in Iraq and bankrupted the country and is a war criminal, lied about weapons of mass destruction and uh, lied and said Saddam Hussein was behind 
wouldn't you do the decent thing and change your last name, not trade off the fact that your father is, you know, you don't go, hey, it's Jenna Bundy, my father's Ted Bundy. Remember Ted Bundy, the, the charming serial killer? Hire me for the Today Show. My, my dad was a serial killer. You don't trade off the name of a serial killer. So if Jenna Bush wants to work on the Today Show, go ahead, but don't use the last name Bush. Better yet, you know, there are a lot of kids your age who came home missing faces and limbs because your father is a liar. There are people in VA hospitals right now, Jenna Bush, who don't have faces and legs and arms and are covered in burns because your father is a criminal and you're laughing it up on the Today Show, day drinking with Hoda? Hi. Boy, I thought I was just going to phone this one, <laughs> this one in today. I said to my friend, you know what? I'm tired. I'm just going to get in and get out. It's Friday. Take it easy. Anyway, the war criminal... I have nothing against Jenna Bush, by the way. I'm just saying, if your father is responsible for thousands of American soldiers coming out, coming home, missing limbs, missing faces, because he lied, you don't laugh. It's unseemly to be day drinking with Hoda on the Today Show. Maybe dedicate your life to some gravitas, something serious, and try, try to repair the Bush family name, the privileged bubble. I wish he had a son instead. It would, it's, it's more fun to make fun of their sons than their daughters. Anyway, Louisiana's National Guard was off in Iraq fighting an illegal war. And so nobody was there for Katrina. And, uh, you know, he was busy fighting this war in Iraq on the cheap. He took the National Guard out of Louisiana, sent them to Iraq, left 3,000 African-Americans to drown. And, you know, no draft. Let's fight a war. Let's lower the taxes for the wealthy. And nobody has to serve. And he said the most, I'm not making this up. He said the most patriotic thing you could all do right now is go shopping go shopping. He said, in times of crises like this, the most patriotic thing Americans can do is shop. Go to the ball. Consume. No sacrifice. Consume. And they wonder why half this country is now obese. Half this country is obese. I need to lose 50 pounds. That's just how patriotic I am. Well, I guess I love America more than you because I need to lose 60 pounds. Hey, only 60 pounds? I need to lose 200 pounds. What are you, a bunch of socialists from Venezuela? Don't you love this country? Anyway, so the head of FEMA, Michael Brown, said, it's on tape. We got a massive hurricane barreling towards New Orleans. It's going to be horrible. And Bush was paralyzed. He just sat there reading my pet goat. He had no idea what to do. 
No, that was a 9-11. This is Katrina. Well, anyway, Bush just sat there because he couldn't do anything. There was he didn't there was America had been turned into a Potemkin vision, a Potemkin village. There was no National Guard, no money. And so uh, the. What happened was the residents in New Orleans who lacked the resources to hop in their BMW and drive out of the way of a hurricane. You know, let's ride out the storm in a hotel room, Tracy and Thad. It'll be an adventure. Don't cry. Uh, The people who were left behind were mostly poor, mostly black. And the only thing the government had to tell them was looters will be shot on sight. That was the only message that our government had for the people left behind in New Orleans as Katrina was barreling in. Looters will be shot on sight. Thank you. Thank you for your help. And then it took days, days for our federal government to put together a response while people clung to their roofs, fading away from dehydration, drowning, Prisoners, people in nursing homes, elderly people hiding out in their flooded attics only to drown. America was horrified. America was horrified. And there were Republicans. I remember Glenn Beck blamed the people of New Orleans. He blamed the welfare state. This is what Glenn Beck and a lot of Republicans said. We've created a class of people who are so dependent on the welfare state, they lack the wits to get out of the way of a hurricane. That's what Glenn Beck said. That's what the Republicans said. They, they blame the victims. They blame the victims. Racism. More white people per capita are on welfare than black people. Doesn't matter. When Katrina hit... Right-wing radio said, why didn't they get out of the way of the hurricane? We've created a class of people who are so dependent on the welfare state, they can't think for themselves. I mean, you know, anyway. So America demanded a scapegoat. Somebody had to be blamed. And like I said, it couldn't be ExxonMobil who caused the flooding. And it couldn't be George W. Bush. And it couldn't be Michael Chertoff, the head of Homeland Security, because he's a graduate of Harvard Law School. And Harvard Law School graduates can't be scapegoats. So who do you blame? You blame Michael Brown, the head of FEMA. Blame the guy Bush and Chertoff ignored. You know, blame the guy who kept screaming something bad is about to happen. And heck of a job there, Brownie. That was the kiss of death. It's like, you're going down. You're taking the fall here. And he took his punishment. He took his punishment. Uh, Because he's a fragile, frightened, white male Republican. And he knew, it's my turn in the barrel. I'll take my turn in the barrel. He took the blame because he knew he would be rewarded handsomely somewhere down the line for taking the hit. Michael Brown, loyal foot soldier. Heck of a job there, Brownie, taking the flack for us. You really proved your loyalty 
to our exclusive club of lazy, white, and male, incompetent, entitled corporate stooges. And, you know, l- listen to Michael Brown on Fox. You know, he's re- he's treated with respect. Uh, and, and, you know, he, d- he didn't see the light and say, you know, maybe I got screwed. My name was destroyed by the Bush family and Michael Chertoff, that Harvard Law School prick. Uh, maybe I should switch parties. Nah, he just took his turn in the barrel and now he's cashing the checks going on Fox News already trashing Joe Biden uh, for uh, the federal government's response to Maui. But I got to hand it to Michael Brown. If you go back and listen to the tapes of Michael Brown when he's warning Bush and shirt off, he was on top of things. He he said, this is what is going to happen if you don't do A, B and C. Bush and shirt off didn't do A, B and C and everything Brown warned of came to fruition. But he should rot in hell, too, because he's a Republican. So I don't know what happened in Hawaii. But I am always leery when someone steps up to take the hit, ends up being the scapegoat after a national emergency. Again, I believe in scapegoats. I believe in accountability. I I think we should have 2.5 million people behind bars. I do. Just we've got the wrong people behind bars. I believe in scapegoats. And so if scapegoats are going to be picked, let's pick the right one. And it's ExxonMobil. It's ExxonMobil. It is ExxonMobil. You want a scapegoat for Katrina, for Hillary, Hurricane Hillary, what happened in Maui? ExxonMobil. Anybody who owns stock in ExxonMobil, any college that hasn't divested itself of ExxonMobil, they're to blame. Any pension fund that still owns stock in Exxon is to blame for what's going to happen this weekend in Southern California and what happened in Maui. If you own stock in ExxonMobil, you are to blame for what happened in Hawaii. It's your fault. If you can't bring yourself to sell your ExxonMobil stock, your Chevron stock, you are to blame for what happened in Hawaii. This was climate change or catastrophe. The Associated Press says between 1953 and 2003, Hawaii had one federally declared disaster Every two years, right? Every two years, there was something weather related and the federal government had to come in and help. And by the way, 1953, 1953 to 2003, and I'm going to show you what happens after 2003. 1953 is when Exxon first began to see evidence that they were heating up the planet, but they kept it secret. Okay, Hawaii had one federally declared disaster every two years between 1953 and 2003. And then 2003 came around. And of course, that was the year we invaded Iraq for its oil. And ever since 2003, Hawaii averages two federally declared climate-related disasters a year. 
That's a fourfold increase in hurricanes, flooding, and fires. What would cause that? Exxon broiling the planet. So, I believe in scapegoats. I believe in accountability. I believe in locking people up. Forget Herman Andaya. Forget Herman Andaya, who ran Maui's emergency management agency, who, who quit, you know, took one for the team. Uh, you know, he quit for not sounding the alarm. You know who didn't sound the alarm? ExxonMobil. They knew they were heating up the planet 70 years ago. They're the ones who didn't sound the alarm. In fact, they disconnected the alarm and buried it along with all the scientific evidence their very own climatologists produced, showing that if the world keeps burning fossil fuels, life as we know it will disappear within 100 years. They got the timetable wrong. Uh, it's happening sooner, quicker than they predicted. And more and more people living in Texas, where Exxon is headquartered, they cannot live there during the summer anymore. They can't take the heat. And it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. I blame this turd blossom, Darren Woods, the CEO of Exxon, Darren Woods, 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 the man is named after what his company sets fire to. Darren Woods makes north of $20 million a year. Married, three children. I wish them all swollen arches and a lifetime of yeast infections. What does it take for the American people to wake up? This is Darren Woods. He is the CEO of Exxon Mobil. Look at him. You are staring at the face of evil. What does it take for Americans to wake up and realize that Darren Woods, the CEO of Exxon, is evil? This is the guy lining Joe Manchin's pocket thereby making real climate change legislation impossible. This is the man who is destroying our planet. Darren Woods, the CEO of Exxon. You want to find a scapegoat? It ain't this guy. It ain't this guy. It's this guy making $20 million a year destroying the planet. Okay. Our planet is broiling, and it's this man's fault, Darren Woods, the CEO of ExxonMobil. 2.5 million people behind bars in this country, and there's no room at the inn for this monster? I'm not being simplistic. I'm not being simplistic. You're being a child. It's much more complicated. No, the only reason it's complicated is because Darren Woods makes $20 million a year. So he makes it complicated. You got enough money. Shut it down. Shut your company down. We can either have a planet where we can 
all survive or Darren Woods, the CEO of ExxonMobil, can continue to make $20 million a year. Can't have both. Can't have both. You cannot have a fossil fuel company like ExxonMobil and a planet that we can live in. Make a choice. Who do you care more about? Do you care more about Darren Woods' $20 million a year salary or yourself? I will pick myself and Darren Woods. I will pick me and Darren Woods and his family's safety over his $20 million a year salary. If he can't see that, it's his problem. He's Satan. He's the devil. Every scripture, every holy book will back me up on this. What does it take for America to wake up and recognize the face of evil? Darren Woods, CEO of ExxonMobil, face of evil. What does it take for America to wake up? Look outside and see what's happening to our planet. It's this man's fault. He set the fires in Maui. You want scapegoats? I'll give you scapegoats. Darren Woods, the CEO of Exxon. How many more fires must this pyromaniac set before he is arrested for arson? This is his mailing address. Pop him a letter and tell him what you think. Now, he won't read it, but someone at Exxon will. Now, don't be an don't be an idiot. Don't send him any. Just send him a letter. Don't be an idiot. Write a letter. I expect my listeners. My listeners know how to write. Write him a letter. He won't read it. But someone at Exxon will write a letter that's so good you make them cry. Put into words what he is doing to this planet. Make his assistants weep with self-awareness and a keener understanding of how they are paid in blood money. Let them realize that they are aiding and abetting the destruction of their own lives, that they are taking money at Exxon to destroy our planet. Write a letter. Don't be a douchebag. I expect my listeners to be responsible. Write a letter. Put it into writing. Write the letter to Darren Woods. His address is, this is his corporate address. Send it to the corporate address and be responsible. Don't embarrass me. 5959 Las Colinas, C-O-L-I-N-A-S, Las Colinas Boulevard, Irving, Texas, 75039-2298. That's their mailing address. Send a letter responsibly and uh, write the letter. He won't read it, but somebody will open it. Get them to quit their job. Write the letter so, so they throw themselves on the gears of the machinery, as Mario Savio said. Uh, who knows? Maybe Darren Woods will get so many letters that some of them will be 
passed on to him. And maybe it will be your letter. I hope it's mine. Maybe I'll write a letter that's so convincing, so smart, so passionate. It will give him a bleeding ulcer. Maybe he'll read your letter and it will be so piercing, so convincing, there'll be blood in his urine. Wouldn't that be great? He'll be so nervous. He'll, he'll start bleeding when he pees. Write a letter that's true. And, you know, you can do what I do. I've been doing this for a long time, and I find writing stupid letters are more fun. So don't try to come off like you know what you're talking about. Here's how I have fun. This is very enjoyable. And this is partly about getting the people at Exxon to quit. But it's also making sure that you can sleep at night knowing that you just didn't sit back and allow Exxon Mobil to burn, the, to, to kill us. You know, they're killing us. Uh, you'll sleep better if you write a letter. Do it for your own benefit and have fun. Have fun writing the letter. And I know a lot of people are afraid of writing. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to my spelling, my grammar, my grammar. You know, I don't, I'm, uh, English is my second language. So this is what I do when I'm lazy. I go MAGA in my writing. And that makes people's heads explode. When I write, you know, I have many corporate enemies who, uh, you know, little service fee here, a little insurance company there. And uh, I've, you know, so I like to write postcards and letters. And uh, my friend Chloe does it all the time. It's good for your mental health. And uh, if you're not, uh, if you don't believe you're a good writer, you are. But do what I do. Go MAGA. Write like a an imbecile. Uh, I've written many letters to corporate executives telling them <laughs> that this is true, that I'm deeply religious. Uh, uh, I, I'll start off by saying January 6th was a false flag. And, to, you know, so they think, oh, he's one of us. He's part of the brotherhood. And uh, but then you say, like, if you want to you, you want to get a hook into the people at Exxon. Don't, don't they don't want to hear, you know, Bernie Sanders, some fast talking guy from Brooklyn. They, they want they want an idiot. And so you say, you know, uh, hey, I voted for Trump twice. Uh, I'm devout, you know, but this climate change stuff, uh, it's your fault. And uh, I'm devout and I'm praying that uh, ExxonMobil goes out of business, you know, mess with their heads. Let them think that you're, you know, don't don't do anything that is just be, you know, use your own words to remind Darren Woods that he's Satan. You'll sleep the king of kings. Trust me on this. Be stupid. Write a stupid note in crayon. And, uh, Tell them you're you're devout, whatever. Quote the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, whatever. Uh, misquote the Bible. Uh, 
throw in some stuff about the LGBTQ community, uh, some anti-Semitic things, you know, get your, your street cred going, and then put in the zinger on climate change. You know, but I know climate change is man-made, and that man is Darren Woods. That's, uh, you'll have fun, and uh, tell me you're a, a Republican, a lifelong member of the National Rifle Association, uh, but this climate catastrophe, you've crossed the line. That's how my letters go. You don't go in saying, hey, I'm a Jew from New York, and I voted for Bernie, and all I do is read all day. They, they, they go, next, they're not interested. Pretend to be someone he can relate to. And, and then you can knock the letter off. You can knock a lot of letters off in 30 seconds. It could be an assembly line of postcards because uh, you don't have to worry about spelling or grammar. Yeah, you do have to worry about spelling and grammar. You have to make sure it's bad. Okay? This isn't the manifesto. The dumber the writing, I promise you, the dumber the writing, the more effective it will be. The, the, the higher up it will go. In fact, I have a, 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 an idea for a bumper sticker if somebody wants to make it. In America, you catch more flies with shit than you do with honey. Everybody has been telling me you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Actually, you catch more flies with shit than you do with honey. And if you don't believe me, I have three words for you. Joe Rogan. I think that might be a good bumper sticker. Uh, in America, you catch more flies with shit than you do with honey. Um, all right. So never forget, if you're looking for a scapegoat when you go outside, if you're looking to blame somebody for the weather, it's Exxon's fault. Or anybody who owns stock in Exxon. If you own stock in Exxon, this is your fault. Okay. Well, there's a new term. Get used to it. This is, this is, I don't know if my, I really thought I was going to phone this in, you know, uh, but my head is spinning today. Have you heard of climate gentrification? Okay, 3,000, I'm going to explain what climate gentrification is. 3,000 buildings have been destroyed in Maui, something like $3.2 billion in damages. Well, that's an opportunity. And what happens next, here's, here's what climate gentrification is, right? $3.2 billion in damages. One man's pain is Wall Street's profits. What happens next is hundreds, perhaps thousands of people can no longer have a place to live in Maui. Uh, no homes, right? And that creates a bigger demand for housing, which makes real estate that was already too expensive even more unaffordable. So the vulture capitalists swoop in and create climate gentrification. Black people know what I'm talking about. Uh, they approach people who just lost their homes and they say, uh, look, 
I'm very sorry what happened. You had insurance, but let's be honest, you you know you're not going to get completely reimbursed by the insurance company. And by the time you finally do get the money, by the time you find a contractor who you can trust, who will rebuild your home, by the time you're actually back inside that house, you're looking at five years if you're lucky. If you're lucky. So let's be reasonable. We'll give you what the house and the property was worth. And then some we'll we'll give you an extra 10 percent if you sell to us right now. That's climate gentrification. And the people sell usually to a a front man, somebody, you know, fronting a, a shell corporation that launders money for Russian oligarchs, you know, a shell corporation for a private equity group that launders money for oligarchs, uh, you know, Deutsche Bank, or, you know, private equity groups like Blackstone, which is, I think Blackstone ended up being at one point the largest landlord in Spain, I think. Blackstone, Sotheby's, Berkshire Hathaway, and, uh, It's great for them because they can wait five years. Uh, It's a terrific investment for for Wall Street. Wall Street created climate catastrophe. You know, ExxonMobil, all the commodity, the oil commodities that they sell. And uh, so Wall Street creates climate catastrophe and profits off it further by buying huge, distressed plots of land that have been devastated by the climate catastrophe they created. So they they just, capital keeps making money. They, cre- they, dis- they create the catastrophe and uh, then they, they buy the land. They rebuild on that land by replacing the homes that were destroyed. And they replace those homes with monstrosities three times the size. And now there are these mon- these new ugly McMansions, which are go- gobbled up by, you know, the kids of billionaires, you know, millionaires from the first marriage. Uh, and they price thousands of Hawaiians who just lost their homes out of the market. Climate gentrification. And if you rent on Maui, you're going to end up moving to the mainland because the demand for housing is going to be so astronomical. Finding a place to rent, well, you might as well be looking in New York City. That's climate gentrification. See, this is, a, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for everyone to get rich if you're already rich. This is a good thing to get in on if you're already a billionaire. Neighborhood destroyed by climate catastrophe and the people who own homes that were demolished have no choice but to sell to private equity firms who build back bigger, which means no affordable affordable housing. You got to get in on it. It's a great investment. Seriously, you need to be a billionaire. So uh, get that taken care of and then get in on this. It's great because you know what they always say? 
buy land, they're not making any more of it. So get in on it. Buy land. Feudalism. This is neo-feudalism. Get in on it. They're not making any more land. Well, you know, they are making more land, actually. They have active volcanoes in Hawaii. So technically, if enough lava flows into the Pacific, they are making new land. I mean, look at that. That's hot molten lava rolling down the streets of Hawaii. Last time there was a volcano and uh, it's about to make its way to the Pacific. And if there's enough lava, it creates brand new oceanfront property that Mark Zuckerberg, Barack Obama or Mick Fleetwood can keep all for themselves. Right. They, you know, they go to Hawaii, they go to Maui, they go, wow, I love the way the sun sets over that mountain. How much would it cost to make sure that I'm the only person on the planet who gets to see that? How much would it cost? Can I buy the sun? OK, I can't buy the sun. But that mountain where the sun is, can I buy I can buy the mountain and, and you can gate it off. So I'm the only one who gets to see that. OK, let's buy me a mountain retreat where I'm the only one who gets to see this beautiful sunset and let's build a home and fill it with hundreds of impressionists and Edward Hopper. So only I get to see those as well. I want to buy up all the beauty in the world and make sure I and only I can experience it. That's who these people are. Jeff Bezos. I Love beauty only if I'm the only one who can appreciate it. Instead of hanging this Van Gogh at a museum, I want it in my home. Anyway, they are making more land. Don't believe anyone who says otherwise. San Francisco, actually, uh, increased its size. I think it became a quarter bigger after the 1906 earthquake, they just dumped all the rubble from the earthquake into the bay and they created more land and they started building homes on top of the, rub the rubble. They, they, they are making more land. Uh, China, Dubai are dredging sand and then piling it up until there's a man-made island. So don't believe anyone who says buy land. They ain't making more of it. They are. They are. Also, before I wrap it up, the Buddha says you can't dip your toe into the same river twice. OK, here's the Buddha. No, no, that's the wrong picture. I wanted the Buddha. That's a picture of my self-driving toilets that I, those, I've been testing self-driving toilets on the streets of San Francisco. I need a picture of the Buddha, please. Nope. again, wrong picture. That was the scene of a horrible accident when my self-driving toilets got confused by a deer bolting into the highway during rutting season. The Buddha, please? No, that's Donald Trump's cat. The Buddha, please. No, that is my self-driving toilet again. However, isn't she a beaut? This is, uh, this is going to be my opportunity to become a billionaire and buy land and sunsets that nobody else can see. Uh, 
Now, this is uh, we're test driving this self-driving toilet in San Francisco. It's a brilliant idea. I, I came up with it three years ago. This is the prototype. You're uh, a tourist, right? Visiting San Francisco or any city in America. Why should you miss taking in the sights just because you took in a bad clam down by the wharf, right? Your stomach is growling. You feel a growler coming on. So you hail a self-driving toilet and do what needs to be done while you tackle the switchbacks on Lombard Street. Wouldn't that be great? I'm going to be very rich. Okay, the Buddha, please. There we go. The Buddha. Okay, sorry. It's been a long week. A lot of subpoenas to read. A lot of subpoenas. And I'm not talking about Trump. Got a little personal problem going. I'm kidding. It's been a long week. Uh, the Buddha. Uh, I would be a Buddhist. Uh, uh but I don't have the discipline, but uh, I, the Buddha is always right, except on this one thing. The Buddha says you can't dip your toe into the same river twice. Think about it. You can't dip your toe into the same river twice. You can. You can dip your toe into the same river twice. Here's what you do, okay? Write this down. You want to prove the Buddha wrong? You want to dip your toe into the same river twice? Okay. In the dead of winter, it's got to be near freezing, but not below freezing. Before sundown, you walk out into the woods by the river, and you take off your shoes and socks, and you dip your toe into the river. And then you just keep your toe in the river until sunset, and as it starts getting colder and darker and the temperatures slowly go from near freezing to below freezing, the river your toe is in freezes and becomes ice with your toe still stuck in it. Hear me out. Then you whip out the bone saw you borrowed from your Saudi Arabian neighbor and you cut your body free from that toe that is now stuck in the frozen river. Are you writing this down? Okay, so you got your toe in the frozen river, right? But you severed it with the bone saw you borrowed from your Saudi Arabian neighbor. And now you limp to a rock by that river. You sit down, stanch the bleeding from where your toe used to be. OK, then when the bleeding is stopped, you hobble over back to the river where your toe is still stuck in the river, but it's now frozen ice. OK, you remove that toe from the frozen river. You hold it up and wave it around. Maybe, if, you know, if you want to do a TikTok video, wave it around so all your friends can verify. Yes, you had dipped that toe into the river, and now you have taken it out of the river. And, you know, you say if you're taping it for TikTok, hey, everybody, look, this is my toe. I dipped it into the river once. And now watch, I'm going to dip it right back into the same river twice. 
and you, you, you stick it right back into that same exact hole in the ice where your toe was, the same frozen part of the river. And as you're, as you're shoving that toe back into the ice, into that hole, you say, take that Buddha, take that. Look, look, I, I st I'm sticking my toe into the same river twice, Buddha, take that. And change, change is not a constant in nature. Change is not a con. Take that, Buddha. You just shove that toe back into the ice, the frozen river, and, and you've stuck your toe into the same river twice. Uh, then, are you writing this down? Have your friends wrap you in blankets and take you to the emergency room for a 48-hour psychiatric hold. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak.